0: Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams and today I'm joined by a force in the media, uh, hockey media sphere, the one and only Steve Dangle. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Steve. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say how big a fan I am of your work and um, you're definitely someone I, I look up to in the, the, the hockey sphere of, of media. And um, I think I listen to almost every podcast. So I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on. No problem at all. man. thank you forever. I just want to ask a little bit about like the origin of of Steve Dangle. I know you started back in 2007. Just what made you want to start a YouTube channel channel? And I know uh, the name Dangle doesn't really originate from the hockey term for Dangle. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. About that.
1: Yeah,
2: Um, it uh, originates from uh, my old high school newspaper. Um, I, uh, it was a tradition to come up with a silly nickname for yourself. And I saw the name Floyd Dangle and thought it was really funny. And so I was Steve Floyd Dangle Glenn. And then when I made my YouTube channel, I was like, well, I shouldn't use my real name. I should, uh, I should use, uh, I don't know, some sort of stage name, but I didn't have one. So I made it Steve Dangle, but then I didn't make a video for months and months. So when I finally made a video, I was like, oh shoot, I, like, you know, I should change it. And I didn't realize that it was Steve Dangle. And then I was talking about hockey. I'm like, wait,
0: that's actually perfect. And I left it and now that's my name. <laughs> and with that, like what made you want to start at the, the channel just, you know, 15, 16 years ago?
2: I uh, what an experience, uh, especially, or especially on camera. Um, <laughs> You know, a lot of the people I went to school with, I was in my second second year of university. A lot of people I went to school with, they had jobs and they had internships. And I worked at the Toronto Zoo. I didn't really have anything (laughs) practical in media. So it was
1: sort of like a self-appointed internship I could give myself. I didn't take any on-camera courses in school beyond the bare minimum that we had
2: to take. Um, It's not really... I thought my future was Uh, and I didn't think it was in sports either because it's not like I grew up as an athlete you know I played some sports didn't play hockey Uh, you know so I uh, a lot
1: of luck Mm
0: -hmm. and and with that like why do you think that the LFRs to origin like that you originated with just became so successful Um, and and what do you think you resonated with other fans just in those videos?
2: Well, I think a very important thing is I stuck to it. Like, I see a ton of people start a podcast or start a YouTube channel or whatever. They do it for, you know, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, and then they abandon it. And it's like, well, what was the point? Uh, You know, not a lot of people watch my stuff for a very long time. And, you know, it was difficult to get motivated at times. I won't lie to you. Um, but, uh, I kept at it and I was pretty mediocre at it with mediocre viewership for five or six years, um, for things eventually, uh, you
1: know, picked up for me in a big way. But I think what resonates with people is passion and, uh, you know, I'm there, uh, there, a lot of people's inner dialogue manifest them. Um, I, I say
2: a lot of the things that, um, you know, people think and they would like to talk about, um, uh, but they're too embarrassed to say it to their coworkers or their spouses, uh, about their favorite team. Like, I, I think a lot of it was catharsis in the beginning because the Leafs were so bad. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, now there's more of a story, more of a journey, uh, with this Leafs team, uh, because there's so much good, and we also know the bad, you know? <laughs> so it's 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 tantalizing.
0: Yeah, and and with that, like, when did you first, or when did you feel as though you maybe were honing in on the craft of of making LFRs?
2: Oh, a bunch of different types. Okay. Uh, you know, I thought in 2009 or 2010, a couple years in. You know when i was making videos for nike i was like i've made it and then my content stagnated for a few years and looked like i was going to fold up shop and nhl goes into a lockout and i come back for the 2013 season and i'm shot out of a cannon and nhl viewers are, are very excited my excitement was you know matched their excitement and, uh, it just sort of fed off of itself in a way. Um, so 2013 is when it really started to take off the two years later,
1: Sportsnet hired me mm-hmm. there again. I'm like, okay, I've made it again. Yeah. Um, but, but even that was
2: in a behind the scenes role and my on camera, uh, development there was still a work in progress you know, even even now, you know, owning a company and the YouTube channel, you know, has over two hundred twenty thousand subscribers. Um, you know, it still feels like uh, there's more to come. Yeah, I, I I think I think like a pretty big made it moment was getting the silver play button for a hundred thousand subscribers. But you know, now I have more than twice that amount of subscribers, and I still feel like I have a lot to prove.
0: And with that, like what what just you mentioned the obviously the podcast and obviously STPN, your network. Just talk about maybe a bit about the podcast and how it how it started and, and maybe the genesis of, of you making that podcast with Adam Wild, Jesse Blake. I know Jesse Blake didn't start with you guys, but just talk about that.
2: Well, in some ways the podcast started in two thousand three or four when Adam and I were in the I think 11th grade in math. Um, we weren't good at math. So we were talking about what we want to do in the future. And we had a really cool teacher named Mr. Omani who mm. um, knew we weren't good at math. But he was basically like, listen, shut up in my class. And, you know, we'll give you some, you know, do, do your best and we'll give you some free time at the end. And, you know, one day we were bantering and, uh Adam said, we're going to do a sports show together one day. So I stayed in Toronto and living with my parents and sort of wandered through the wilderness of uh, the media landscape over here and editing highlights and sticking with my YouTube channel and stuff like that. All the while, Adam was, you know, traveling around the country, um, hopping from place to place and moving, uh, trying to advance his radio career. In 2013, when he finally moved back to Toronto uh, for the second time, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more permanently, um, that's when he and uh, his coworker at Rogers, uh, Chris Shapcott, decided, "All right, let's um, let's try to uh, let's try to make a podcast," and uh, it took off kind of immediately because i already had this you know kind of built-in online following hmm. and about a year later chris decided he wanted to pursue you know other things with his career but then jesse joined us um, and jesse's obviously been incredible and he's been with us for uh, basically a decade now so it's it's hard to hard to remember a time where he wasn't a part of the show
0: why do you think the podcast has been so successful just between you three
2: Um, I think the LFRs really connect with people, but they're kind of fast. Like, uh, even if the video is 15, 20 minutes long, it's, it's still very rapid fire. there's jump cuts, it's an unnatural way of talking. Um, the long form, uh, I think allows us to connect with people over, you know, a longer period of time. And, um, it's, uh, it's easier to bond with people, um, when you're, you're given more time, I mean, and you know, I, I think we keep each other honest and we're able to have a, a full conversation. And, you know, I can't have a conversation with myself. You know, LFR is more of a dissertation or like a sermon. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas the, the podcast is, you know, a group of guys who genuinely enjoy each other's company
0: chat how intimidating was it for you to to leave sportsnet and go full-time with sdpn and just maybe talk about what you guys are doing at sdpn and why you uh you know you've gone all in
2: yeah it was it was intimidating because i mean it's uh you know I, i feel like most of the time you leave your job uh and uh, you know, go to another one or go to do something else. And uh, you probably don't have to explain yourself quite as much as I did. Uh, and a lot of a lot of people were like, "Oh, so you're leaving the NHL rights holder?" Even though you talk about the NHL, uh, and you know, you're leaving behind some security and you yeah. know, now all the decisions that people complain about um, are your decisions, right? You know, there's, you know, oh, Sportsnet did this, Sportsnet did that. Well, now, you know, when you represent a company, everyone sort of looks at you for every victory and every defeat. Um, So intimidating, but it was something like uh, I knew was going to happen for a number of years. I just didn't know, when and mm. I, you know it's not like i was sitting there at Sportsnet like oh my god get me out of here like, yeah. i really enjoyed my time there but um you know i i thought doing this on my own or rather doing the podcast network on our own was an inevitability um so why
0: not commit now? what advice would you have to people coming up in the sports media industry or youtubers just to become their own form of a Steve Dangle and and be successful like you've been.
2: Learn how to do more than one thing. Uh, um, You know, I I see in a lot of young, young people and students in the industry, you do a lot of the same things that uh, some people I went to school with did. And, uh, you know, unless you're starting your own business straight out of school, which is really difficult to do. Um, you're probably not going to be on camera unless you go to, like, a really small market, you know? Like, you go to a small market. Like, I, I have friends who, like, went to Virginia and mm. Barrie and, and, you know, the, 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 I think, Northwest Territories. Like, they, uh. they've traveled very far um, to, to get different opportunities. But it's difficult to, to get uh, – a uh, on-camera or on-mic opportunity if you don't know what you're doing technically, if you don't know how to operate audio or video equipment, if you don't know how to uh, operate audio or video software, uh, you know,
1: especially, Mm. those are jobs you can always fall back on if you
2: decide you don't want to be the front-facing person. And what so often happens today is you'll get into a place in a behind-the-scenes role, and if you just make it known um, that you know you'd like to find opportunities for yourself to talk on on the mic as well or talk on camera, uh, you'll eventually get those opportunities purely by being there. Mm. Um, mm. You know, like you gotta you you gotta get in the building. Yeah, right. And uh, knowing the tech side of it. Uh, whether it's software or hardware is so key, and I mean, there's also you know if we're talking about quote-unquote worst case scenarios,
1: a lot of cameramen make pretty good <laughs> dough. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of uh, it's one of those
2: things where all through school they told us you know get a trade, and then none of us did, but the ones who did. Uh, find a trade are all really well paid because they're so in demand. Mm. That's a lot of uh, a lot of people who work uh, with uh, the hardware and software. You know, everyone wants to be front facing when they think of media,
0: um, mm. and they kind of leave behind a lot of the other important things. That and storytelling. Yeah. I, I think it's
2: completely vital that you be a good storyteller.
0: How much did writing your the book, uh, this team is ruining my life help just with LFRs with sports now with all the stuff that you're doing just to basically have to write a whole book and, and tell stories? It was it was
2: good because uh, I got to sort of evaluate my life. Mm. <laughs> I, I got to kind of remember the order of things. I interviewed people in my life to make sure I remembered things or things really were the way I remembered them. Um, and I was happy to find out that was the case the majority of the time. Um, it was also kind of, you know, you just sort of live your life and, you know, you may be reminisce on moments, but you don't sort of look at the big picture. And it was really, um, uh, it was a pretty neat experience to kind of look at my whole career on paper like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was really proud for my parents who for many years had to struggle to explain what I do to mm. friends and family. Um, and now finally they could be like, our son wrote a book Yeah. and, You know, I would get asked questions about the industry all the time and my parents would get asked questions about me all the time. And now they and I were able to be like, why don't you read this book?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Before I let you go, Steve, obviously uh, you are the biggest uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan out there. So I first want to ask you the question that I'm sure you've been asked in variations many times, but... Do you believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs are cursed?
2: <laughs> I I don't think they're cursed. I've seen too many curses lifted. Ah, in my life. Um, uh, I've seen too many teams win the cup for the first time. I've seen too many teams win a championship after fifty years, a hundred years in the case of the Chicago Cubs. Like you know, the Leafs feel cursed, but I mean, they have nothing on the Chicago Cubs.
0: <laughs>
2: Going, I think, hundred and eight years. The
0: Red, Red Sox. 70, years. Yep. Like you know,
2: and what what are the Leafs special? <laughs> they're, they're no, they're more cursed than those guys. Like I, I think it's, I think it's just the the self doubt uh, in the fan base. And uh, you know there were there were times I remember growing up when the Leafs were making it to the second and third round, and
1: mm. you genuinely believed they were going to win the Cup because you're down to the final eight, you're down to the final four, right? Um, yeah.
2: Not every team who wins the Cup is necessarily
0: the best team in the NHL. It's it's no nope. It's uh,
2: it's a battle uh, to get there and there's a lot of luck involved and there's 32 teams um you know and you might say well vegas just got here yeah but that's leaving out a few details yep, like yeah babe. you know one of the most unprecedented expansion drafts ever they killed it and did extremely well they went to the cup final and had a one nothing lead in it in 2018 um you know it's uh, i don't think they're cursed I do think they're the leafiest team that ever lived.
0: Uh, and what would you do if the leaf leafiest team that ever lived uh won the cup? What what would like? I'm sure you've been asked this plenty of times, but just what would you do, Steve?
1: Um,
2: I used to say I would go on a 72 hour bender, uh, <laughs> but now I'm a dad, and I don't know if I can do that. Okay. Um, but um, I I cry a lot.
1: I would make an unfathomable amount of content. Probably write a book. Uh, probably do a ten-hour podcast on the entire uh, playoff run. Um,
2: if- probably make an unbelievable amount of money. Like people keep t- talking about, like, oh man, your videos do better when they lose. Imagine when they finally win the cup. You... This is the most viewed season in the history, or sorry, the most viewed calendar year in the history of my YouTube channel. Yeah, twenty three, like by by a
1: wide margin. And
2: whoa, would you look at that? It's uh, the year where we got um, more playoff videos than we've ever had because they actually won. Around.
0: Yep. Uh, would you would you have to get like crowdsourced to to get you in the building for a game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals? Is that something you would you feel as though you need to be in the building if it was in Toronto?
1: I wouldn't
2: necessarily feel as if I had to be in the building because just I've been to like relative to how many games there are and relative to like a lot of my colleagues in the media, mm-hmm. I've actually seen very few league games in person. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know like i've probably seen more than most but uh you know i still only go to i don't know three four okay year. Um, like consider considering i cover them for a living it's not a whole lot um i feel like it might make my life easier to not be there <laughs> just because <laughs> but like you know how incredible would it be to say i was there Say, you know, imagine getting to go on the
0: ice. Oh. Um, you know, like, one thing no one will ever be able to take away from me, ever, if my career crashed and burned tomorrow, mm. is I was in the building when Canada won gold in I know. Yeah. And,
2: and it'd be a real feather in the cap to uh, be
0: there. Yeah. Uh, I I I wasn't there at that game, but I was at the Jordan Eberle game, so I can always remember that game like it was oh, yesterday. Uh, the first one, the one in Ottawa, uh, not not uh, the craziness in oh, Saskatoon, but yeah, yeah. So uh, I know you were you were in Saskatoon the year after, right? For I think did I get that right? But you yeah, like, that was almost more impressive. Yes, and none of us will remember it because the Americans. John Carlson. Uh, so I'll I'll ask you just one last question, just about this Leafs team. Does it feel different? I know I've been listening to your podcast. It, they've they've been they've shown so much resilience. Haven't lost in uh, many games in regulation outside of last night. But just talk about how you feel about this team, and do you feel as though they can be a, a Stanley Cup threat? The Leafs have a lot more fight in them um, than they showed at the beginning of the season. And it's not about going out and beating up everyone and uh, dropping the gloves at every opportunity.
2: It's just not letting your team get run over. It's a willingness to stick up for yourself. It's a willingness to be a bit of a jerk Mm -hmm. to the other team after whistles uh, and stuff like that, all while still doing all of the things that have made them successful in the past. Speed, skill, um, obviously elite passing and shooting, um, at the top of their lineup. Um, but the Leafs are just a such a a more difficult night mm. for teams to handle than they've been in, in previous years. Like even on games where the Leafs have been outplayed. Like listen, you should want to have the puck. <laughs> I don't think anyone's denying that. But if you don't have it, you might as well beat the other team up. And crush them a little bit hit them um and that that's made the leagues frustrating over the last few years is yeah they had the puck more than their opponent most games but in the games where they didn't have the puck more it's like okay so you're less skilled and you're soft <laughs> uh, you know that that strategy only works if you're by far the best team in the league and it's just really difficult to be that in a in a hard cap world with injuries and everything so there's a there's a work ethic to this team that they haven't necessarily had in the
0: past. Um, I want to ask you one question. Uh, I know that you love the NHL, and specifically Gary Bettman. So uh, what would your first rule change be if uh, today Gary Bettman resigns and gives you the mantle as the next commissioner of the NHL? Well,
2: I'm firing Bill Daly. He can't be my deputy. <laughs> uh, probably that. Oh man, that's a it's oh, a really good question. Uh, probably overhaul officiating uh, and uh, the department the Department of Player Safety. Uh, uh, it's it's a joke, uh, you know. And like you, you get, I think it was Ryan Strome in Anaheim. Yep. T- taking out Kyle Connor for the next six to eight weeks, and he gets two games out of eighty two gets suspended something like two and a half or three percent of the season that's a joke um so probably
0: probably something along those lines um and then i I would imagine stpn billboards everywhere on nhl ranks I, i think that would be an ads on all over tv but thanks so much steve for taking the time and doing this anything you want to plug for stpn um Easter Seals, I know with your sister, just anything you want to, to plug uh, before I send you on your way.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this holiday season, if you're ever looking to, to donate, uh, Easter Seals Ontario, never never a bad choice. Um, and uh, just, don't just watch SDPN. although I would like you to watch STPN, uh, but don't just watch us,
0: uh, subscribe, click like, interact. Uh will let us know how you like it. Well, I think I've subscribed on every single platform I can for STPN. So I really appreciate, Steve, uh, you taking the time and doing this. And uh, have a great holidays. And thanks again for doing this.
1: Thanks, Alex.